In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents the Betches Brides podcast, a show for the wedding obsessed and the brides who are stressed. Because after all, it's only one day of your life. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Betches Brides podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Pellegrino, and today I am here with a very special guest, Berna Anat, aka Hey Berna on social media. She is our financial hype woman, our financial bestie, if you will, and host of the new Betches podcast called Money Please. Berna, hello, welcome. Hi, Nicole. Thank you so, so much for having me. Thank you for creating this beautiful, yes. safe, cozy space. I'm so excited to just like shake my boobs about money as I always am. Yes, girl, we need that because literally money and, you know, this is the Betches Brides podcast. We talk about a lot of topics here as they relate to weddings and marriage, but really money and marriage go hand in hand. Money Mm -hmm. is the big problem causer in a lot of marriages, Mm -hmm. a lot of weddings. It causes some tension. So I am so excited. This has been a long time episode coming. The audience has been begging for a finance episode, a money episode. And I said, "Mm mm-mm. We're waiting. We're not going to do another guest. We're going to wait until Berna launches Money Please, and we're going to have her on because that's who we want to have on. So before we get into all of it, can you just kind of tell us about yourself? We want to hear more about you, how you even got into this world of money, and of course about Money Please, which I've already listened to the first two episodes, and it's amazing. Yeah, I'm so, so happy to tell you about all the things. I'm still very much buzzing off of the launch of Money, Please last week. So I'm just like, yes. I'm just like this like betches sprinkled cloud. Um, so <laughs> I, as you said, I am Berna, a.k.a. known as Hey Berna, a.k.a. known as, who says that? I am known as Hey Berna <laughs> on the internet. And I call myself a financial hype woman because I truly believe that hype is one of the last things, I mean, there's many things missing from the finance world. I like to call the finance world mm-hmm. hella male, hella pale, and hella stale. So mm-hmm. much. And, and I'm sure this is very much preaching to the choir, the choir meaning everyone with eyes and ears. You <laughs> have seen in the finance world, it is hella male, hella pale, hella stale. There's so much missing from financial education that is relevant to us, that speaks to us, that sounds and look like looks like us. And so I'm very excited to talk about money pretty much at any time. I find myself, again, kind of like you said, financial hype woman, but also financial bestie, financial translator. I hesitate to call myself an expert because I am, and and this is like imposter syndrome, I'm still working on deeply in therapy, but I'm not like a (laughs) CPA. I mean, shout out to Ellen every Wednesday. I talk to her about my imposter syndrome every (laughs) Wednesday, but uh, I am uh, (laughs) Now, I would not call myself an expert. I'm more like a translator because um, a little background about me, n- nothing in my background is specifically professionally financial, right? I am first-gen Filipina-American daughter of immigrants. My dad was a postal mail carrier for 35 years. My mom was customer wow. service at SFO United. 
like very much grew up in like the first gen child of immigrants household, which means that my perception of money has everything to do with assimilation and survival and the American dream. And so I didn't grow up with any kind of like financial education at all. Like so many of us listening, everything I know, Mm -hmm. I either piece together in a broken way uh, from things I learned growing up, even though we didn't talk about money in our household, because a lot of us don't talk about money in our household. So we have to sort of put Mm -hmm. it together through broken context clues. And then you get to adulthood and you're like, oh, wait, I actually need a little more than that. And so the University of Google taught me a lot. And uh, that's sort of how I am. That's long, long story short is how I'm here today. I kind of started to learn money for the first time in my adulthood. And then I was like, hold mm-hmm. up, how come nobody talks about this stuff? And when they do talk about it, they are incredibly boring. So it's and it's hard to understand. Like that's why I think your background is a good thing. And I would I would go as far to say you are an expert personally based on the content I've seen and the podcast <laughs> episodes I've heard. And like literally I call myself a wedding expert and I'm no wedding planner. I've never I mean the only wedding I've planned is my own. But just being around them at this point, I'm a fucking wedding expert at this point. That's right. So, that's so true. Um, but no, that's why I love your your content because it's just easier to understand and it's mm. more fun to watch your content and learn about finance. Like I'm not going to, you know, listen to a boring episode of a, of a other random financial podcast because then it's it, I don't actually remember it when it's not like funny and you just break it down for a second grader, which is what we literally need these days for us. So Absolutely. It's yeah. very explained to me like I'm five because I'm five. Yes. I need it like literally. that. And so I realized that when I translated for myself, I'm like, oh, this could actually hit for other people maybe. And thankfully, mm-hmm. the internet was like, yes, absolutely. And I'm also very blessed. And you'll see in the Money Please episodes uh, coming up that I'm surrounded by a lot of also incredible financial experts and friends so we bring them on we just we need more voices in general so i'm i'm very happy mm-hmm, to be one of sure. the first finance voices on on brides but i hopefully i'm not the last i've got lots of much smarter friends to bring along yes well you're the we're just dipping our toes because it get again like literally money and weddings go hand in hand it's truly you can't have a wedding without money essentially i mean you can but you this could, day and age though. they're they're expensive they are yes. um so just to get into kind of like just starting, we had a ton of questions for you about like first, how how do we even start to budget and save up for a big event such as a wedding or a honeymoon? Like where do we even begin and break it to like pretend we just got engaged? What would be the first steps in starting to budget for the wedding day? Oh my gosh. It actually, this is very interesting mental cosplay because I just got very excited specifically <laughs> about the money part of it. Because, I mean, I have saved up for a lot of large things in my life, have not yet tried to save up for a wedding, you know, full transparency. But I would imagine that it's the kind of thing where it's like, all right, these vendors got to get paid in cash, right? Like they're, we Mm want to do as much as we can to avoid debt. We can't always, we want to do as much as we can to avoid debt. And so this is very much like a lot of other life events in that I'm going to have to sort of envision the day and then work my way backwards and give myself a Mm -hmm. monthly goal to hit to sort of like get to the promised land. So my favorite thing to do is to, uh, one of my absolute favorite things is the fact that the internet gives us so many amazing, incredible free tools. And Mm -hmm. I love to talk about money. I don't love math as much. I I graduated with a degree from a communication school in public relations. So 
despite being a financial hype woman, I love a calculator. And yes. I love to go on these free savings calculators. So you might use like Nerd Wallet's free savings calculator or the balance or uh. I think there's like Credit Karma. But basically, it helps you create a sort of month by month goal. You tell the savings calculator, I need this much, uh, you know, or if you have already a sort of a budget in your head, I want to be saving up this much, plug it in, here's how much I make, here is, well, even like my interest rate on a savings account, all this stuff, and it gives you a specific like, all right, well, then you need to be saving this much every, if you want, your wedding is in 18 months, you need to be saving this much every month to hit that number by that specific time. That's the first thing that came to mind. I was like, oh, let's mess with the savings calculator. Um, I also know, though, that I have a lot of friends, of course, in the last few years who are like, okay, we're engaged. Is the wedding just going (laughs) to, is someone going to give me an orientation packet of how much all this is supposed to cost? It's like, it's very DIY. And so honestly, Mm -hmm. what I would do if I'm pretending that I got engaged today and I was like, oh, shoot, it is time to uh, budget for this wedding. I definitely would try to pick a date first so that we can mess with the savings calculator eventually and be like, all right, we have 18 months, we have 20 months, we have three months to save, whatever it is. But I Mm -hmm. also, I would dig into the fact that the personal finance world is actually obsessed with weddings and obsessed with wedding planning financially. There are blogs, Mm -hmm. on videos, on content, on entire Instagram Mm -hmm. accounts dedicated to here's exactly how much I spent on my wedding. Here is how I budgeted for it. And so I could tell you things step by step, but it would be, I want you to go and dive into the Trevor. It is 2021 and people have been blogging about this kind of things for years. And it gets so specific as to here is our exact budget for the wedding. Here is what our expectations were. Here's our venue. Here's our date. Here's how long we had. And people break down their entire savings timeline for you. So what I would do is honestly get me to the internet and put together Mm -hmm. sort of a financial vision board of what people have planned in the past. This will probably become like an annoying Excel sheet or maybe like a personal Pinterest board. But I would gather sort of scenarios of what people have done before and see what their budgets have been and see if I could piece things together from there. Because watching my friends DIY it, just be like, I don't know, my aunt said this (laughs) vetting or what venue over here and then this photographer over here, I guess it costs what it costs. Right. I I need somewhere to start. So I would look for structure. And at the end, when you DIY it like that, at the end, you end up spending this ungodly amount that you didn't or like end up at least putting deposits down with vendors that all add up to this ungodly amount that you weren't expecting. And I think that you you nailed it. It's like you need to have that visualize the wedding you want and make that Mm -hmm. financial vision board, financial vision dream board Mm -hmm. and work towards that. And to get to that, I think, like you said, just use the internet. It's all out there. People will tell you how much they spent. Talk to friends. Do what I like to call vendor shopping. Like Mm. go to the vendors directly. Say you like a certain florist. Go and ask them how much flowers would be on X date for your wedding. You don't have to tell them yes or no right away. You can say like, okay, I'm going to go back and see if this works within my total budget. That way, I think the more you can plan ahead, the more you can expect, the more you can know what you're expecting to spend, the more you can actually work towards that. And I love that you have a tangible budget calculator too, because I'm going to start using that for like anytime I want to buy something. I'm just going to put in the amount and I'm going to work and I'm going to do the monthly calculator. I didn't even know those existed. So thank you. They save lives because the idea of like, I want to save for this thing. 
I guess it'll happen at some point. That is where we get off into the, what is it like if, if it can't be measured, it can't be managed? Like you want to be able to measure exactly how much the number is. I think a lot of people also when they're planning for their wedding, of course, a lot of us have been thinking about what our dream wedding is going to be with all these high expectations, but right. we're so terrified to look at the price tag of it. And I think a lot of people go into their wedding right. plan being like, it's going to cost what it costs. I don't know. I'm going to just bill me the day after when I'm hungover and then I'll deal with it. Um, and it's right. a lot of the time I sort of liken it to, it's like when you're, you know, you have your clothes chair in your bedroom, the chair where you just yes. put all the clothes oh on Oh my it. God, the chair. I'm the known chair. for having the chair. You got the clothes chair or the, <laughs> the clothes chair. ottoman or the clothes desk. It's just, it's a rotating chair of clothes and it yes. literally just always has like at least three shirts on it at all yeah. times. I'm just like, Absolutely. why can't I hang them up and put them away? But Perfectly go on, good what closet. were you saying about the clothes? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The clothes chair, you pile it up enough, right? And it, like it's there and it's it there all the time. Sometimes you're sleeping and you wake up in the middle of the night and you look around and you're like, is there a mur- maybe this is just me because, you know, double Scorpio brain. I'm like, look around and I'm like, mm-hmm. is that a murderer standing in the corner of my bedroom? Is that a, is <laughs> that a Mumu? That. Is that a Lukey Lou? <laughs> and I'm like, what is that terrible thing? And like the more in you the stare dark. at it, the more you're like, yes, exactly. And then you're like, oh my God, it's growing legs. Oh my God, I could see its wings. <laughs> like it's because you're in the dark, you're making up all this like creepy yes. shiz, right? And then you turn on the light, yeah. you're like, oh. It's just my clothes chair. Like I was making too big of a deal out of it. I would really encourage folks to be brave and take a look at the price tag of all those things that you want because ignoring it until like and being like it costs what it costs, you want to be able to give yourself a little bit of time to kind of get over the sticker shock of something and then be able to plan it with tools beforehand as opposed to just being like it's going to cost what it costs. And I think too – Like going off of that, you can set a certain amount that you can realistically afford and work towards that. And it doesn't have to be. We've talked about like all different types of weddings on this podcast. Obviously, weddings in all sense are so expensive. But Mm -hmm. if you determine that you can only spend X amount, you can still have a beautiful wedding at X amount. Like especially after COVID, we've seen that people are having weddings for $10,000, which typically in the weddings world is – a very affordable wedding. Right. And you can throw a beautiful like backyard wedding for not that much. And I think it's it that just all goes back to visualizing the wedding that you can realistically have, what yes. no matter how much that is, and save up for that. Would you say that people should start saving for their wedding? Like let's say they want to have a, you know, bougier wedding and you've always mm-hmm. dreamt about that. Do you think people should start saving like well before they get engaged or is that weird? No, I don't think that's weird at all. It's it's just okay. like having a regular life event or like a life goal and saving up for right. it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. And I think it's actually very smart because we know that the wedding industry is like out here to come just just take mm. it from you, snatch all your shiz. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's very smart if you know <laughs> that you want to get married and you know that you want a specific kind of wedding. I mean, of course, there's no predicting what could happen and like you and your boo might come up with something different, but it's never bad to have extra cash. And I think if you can plan that in advance, and also I would encourage like anyone feeling weird about this, understand that like if your future partner does not like the way that you future plan the hell out of your wedding, are they that cool? I would be very impressed if I met someone that was like, um... I know that like, I, not ready. to say that we're good. I'm ready. I, that would be a hot, yeah. that would be a turn on to me, actually. You're be, fine. You are I would be already? so turned on. What? I'm already, so oh, that is, I'm already turned on just by the thought of it. 
aroused already Honestly. just thinking about someone being like, I got it all right. I think it's a beautiful thing. And also, I think it's good to actually start planning, like if you're very interested in this, start planning when there's no pressure on you and people who know about, because right. I imagine I'm seeing folks who are getting engaged. Once they're engaged, oh my gosh, especially in um, Asian American families, everybody is a wedding planner. Suddenly, everybody yes. has opinions and everybody <laughs> has suggestions. So you can try to plan these things out and, and plot it out in the peace of your own mind and your own brain before all the spotlights hit you once it's actually happening. Right. And Jordana and I always say, like, the more you are, because, like, you know, obviously people get contributions from family members, mm -hmm. in-laws, you know, whoever wants to help pay for the wedding. But the more you can actually fund of your own wedding on your own. Like the more you, the more conviction you have to say like no to people's unsolicited, unsolicited opinions. Like, yes. I mean, you do anyways, if you're the couple who's getting married, you can say no, no to whoever the fuck you want. But mm -hmm. I don't know, the more you are paying for stuff, the more like you can just do what you want. It's your money and do what you want with it. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high end stuff? I have a solution for you. Newly, Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. So Newly is a subscription clothing rental service for just $98 a month. You can get your choice of any six styles. You choose whatever you want to rent for whatever you have going on. It's totally up to you. There are no parameters. You get access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There are no fees. There's no late fees, no damage fees, no fees to pause or cancel. So no big deal if you like lose a button. Uh-oh, I spilled something on it. Or you just need to take a break. They have inclusive sizing all the way up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code brides20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code brides20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code brides20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we had a bunch of questions being like, how much percentage of my actual annual income should I think about spending on my wedding? And I don't even know mm. if this is some sort of rule or not. I wanted to ask you, like, is that a thing? Oh, boy. If it is a thing, I would toss it in the garbage, to be <laughs> honest, because these rules okay. are very much like they're they're they serve a very small percentage of people who can actually hit the rules. Do you know what I'm saying? Like in the right, finance world, right. there's lots of like, oh, you should be saving 30% of your of your blah, blah, blah. You should be saving 10%. And yes. it's like, 
I'm stressed about world? that. I always see them and I'm like, I'm about to be 29 and I haven't saved how much the benchmark of what I'm supposed to be saving by this point and it freaks me out. And like, who <laughs> set this benchmark? And what happens when I said, who's going to give you yeah. cookies when I set this benchmark? It only gives you anxiety because everybody's financial situation is incredibly different. And mm-hmm. also sometimes things happen like a global pandemic and you can't hit that 10 to 15 to 30%, whatever you find on freaking CNN or Forbes today about what you're quote unquote supposed to be doing. And so the only advice I feel like I really could give is, of course, it's sort of the cheesy of just like, what well, feels right to you? But what I mean feels <laughs> right to you is I am, I'm a big budgeting bitch. I'm very, very obsessed with budgeting. <laughs> BBB. And b- BBB energy all day. And mm-hmm. I always want to make sure that people's basics are covered. And then after that, I'm like, you can save whatever the hell you want. But are you are you good in terms of what you need to survive this month? Are you good in terms of what you need to survive in the following months? Do you have a debt payoff plan for the debt that gives you the most anxiety or the most expensive mm-hmm. debt in your life, which we get into in money, please? Um, do you have an emergency savings that you are have contributed to or are working on contributing to? Do you have your basics covered? Is that allotted for in like your upcoming paychecks? If it is, then go fucking buck wild. Say whatever you want on your on your wedding. <laughs> but I don't want your financial security and like your mental financial security to suffer because you think your wedding should be a certain way at a certain time. I think it's all about covering the basics, right. bases first and then you set your own rules. I love that. That way you, you are having the wedding you want, but you're not going – bankrupt or going into debt because of your own wedding, which nobody wants to do. Yes. So we had a couple questions about just like, okay, once you're married, you saved up for that wedding, you had Mm -hmm. your dream wedding. Now you're kind of approaching finances as a married couple or as a couple, Mm -hmm. you can start approaching finances together before that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So how do we, where do we even start? Like what are the differences of, you know, managing your personal finance? on your own and then merging it together as a couple and where do we even start when trying to do that like what should we be talking about i don't know just walk me through it because i'm actually going through this all right now (laughs) yes i love this question of course not everybody needs to be as extreme as me because i am a you know financial hype woman obsessed money obsessed person Mm -hmm. um i actually i just broke up with my partner of five and a half years he's cool with it i like texted him last week about like i'm gonna start talking about you on podcast he's like whatever it's fine (laughs) like see you for he like dog sits my dog every week it's very amicable um but we that was the most financially healthy relationship of my life and it is because we started talking about it like day five. I was in like the the peak heat of my like, oh my God, I just discovered budgeting when we first met. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what's up? Okay, it, we're eating pizza on St. Patrick's Day. And I got to tell you, I have 32000 <laughs> I think $32,000, $38,000 in student loans at that point, $12,000 in credit card debt. Like, are you with it or are you not? I'm using this as a litmus test to see if you can talk that. about finances with me. Yeah. And Get can it out you on talk the table finances early. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want this kind of stuff to have, have hidden this kind of thing and gotten weird about it in relationships before because money is so personal. It's never just about the dollar signs. It's always about right. how we perceive money growing up in our families, the good and bad things that happen around money in our families. And of course, like any other baggage, we bring that to the relationship. And so I would say uh, what was really healthy for myself and my former boo is that we created a goal like a small goal for ourselves first. 
we didn't go to the like, okay, let's unpack our financial baggage and what was it like when mm-hmm. your family filed for bankruptcy? <laughs> let's, you know, like, you know, did you cry mm-hmm. the first time someone took your lunch money? Like, we didn't get into all that. Yeah. We were just like, like, I don't care about all that. I don't. And like, even if I did, like, damn, I'm still working on that in therapy. I don't know if we could, like, it gets yeah. real, gets real <laughs> personal. And so earliest on in our relationship, we were just like, how about you and me? save for something small first like let us together save for uh where did we end up going i think we did like a road trip to la and we're like okay well Mm -hmm. if we're doing this road trip to la it's like a weekend thing how about we uh open up a joint savings account this did feel like a very big step but we're like it's not a joint savings account for our life it's a joint savings account for this la trip this could be canceled wait i didn't even know this was i never even thought of doing that for oh yeah like for something that's a good idea a good test yes, oh my god exactly wait, go on. yes that's a thing it's it is the test a lot of people think that when they're in a relationship at any point in their relationship when they start talking about money it is now this big fit like that all that pressure a lot of people's relationships can't don't mess with that pressure like they can't stand that pressure it's yeah. a lot to put on yourself so do one small thing like agree to save up for one small thing that has a beginning and an end and you can open mm-hmm. up a joint checking account or a joint savings account or a, jo- a mason jar in somebody's apartment and just plan for that one thing. Because then the two of you will come at that mm-hmm. thing with the context of the trip as opposed to the context of you suck at money or you spend too much. And overall, you have this, you know, we're not pointing fingers right. at each other. You're pointing fingers at the trip, which is really, it. you learn so much about each other in a sort of like like backdoor way yeah. and a, le- a, a much smaller pressure type of way when you're just planning for this one thing and discussing it around a a tangible event yeah and i like that you're you're contributing to that joint savings account every month or whatever that way you can kind of get to see like that other person's saving habits like do they contribute on time do they and that's like a nice test in the relationship to see like are you both willing to work towards this together and then you get to enjoy enjoy the trip at the end or whatever it may be that you're saving up for exactly Um, i love that it's super fun yeah that is that's a really good idea i mean like mike and i definitely my husband and i you know we've we've been splitting everything right down the middle up until Mm -hmm. literally right now and beyond Mm -hmm. um since we've known each other and like yeah don't get me wrong like we'll pick up things for each other here and there like Mm -hmm. meals things like that we're not like split right down the middle to the the cent to the dollar Mm -hmm. yeah but um but we never did the joint savings account for like something like that that's a good idea i wish we could go back in time and do that but can we start now come on yeah Speaking of joint accounts, we had a ton of questions about that as well. I feel like it's just been like a step one, you get married. Step two, open the joint account. Like (laughs) that's just been kind of like the rules of all time. Mm -hmm. We actually just opened up our first joint account, which, you know, got some nice generous gifts from the wedding and put all that in there because we really just want to save all of that. You know, would love to buy something like a house one day. Who knows? Yeah. But, um... Would you recommend, can we talk about joint accounts? Like, would you recommend doing them? And if so, when should you open up like an actual joint account together to start saving long term? Um, mm. Do you, yeah, like what What do we think about joint accounts? Oh, I'm very pro joint accounts. I am, okay. very, as you said, very pro joint accounts starting off small. And again, with me and my, my former partner, we started a joint 
checking and sa- checking account first very early on because we were just excited about like learning about money together. And so we're like, let's save up for this trip. And so we opened our first joint uh, account. And from there, it, we naturally had discussions about, well, how much are you going to contribute every well? How much, like, how, well, first of all, let's put together, let's get on a free savings calculator and be like, if we want $2,000 for this road trip, then how much do we we need to be saving every month? Oh, okay, our bill is $150 a month until we want to go on this road trip. Great. Uh, how much do you feel comfortable contributing? Like, do you want to split it down the middle? All those conversations happen so naturally because of that one thing. And then from there, we were like, hmm, this is fun. Like, what else? Like, now it sort of became our forever tra- like joint travel savings account. We're like, what else can we do? This is like a fun experiment for the both of us. Mm-hmm. We started doing a, a date night fund. And so... Actually, this, these were separate date night funds for us, but lots of people have Cute. a joint date night fund. Yes. And so it's, again, it takes the inc- intensely personal my money or your money kind of finger pointy thing out of it. If you're both contributing to a fund for date night every month and you could pay it like a bill, like budget out your stuff and pay it together like a bill, then you've got that pot to always look at and be like, can we splurge on like a fancy ass dinner right now? Should we get in and out for the seventh time this month? Let's look at the date fund. Um, I really, really love it so much. I would say when you open up joint checking and savings accounts, be as purposeful and as intentional as possible. I see a lot of couples kind of veer into madness when they just open a joint savings account Mm -hmm. or just open a joint checking account because they feel like they have to. But there's no rules or understanding or intention or expectations around what is this for? And what are we contributing to? And how much are we, like, how often are we, what's the point? You want to be as intentional yeah. with it as possible to, again, remove all the pressure of the emotions and the vagueness of what what that account might mean and just simplify it. Give it a job. I love that. Be intentional with it. Like, do you recommend yes. that when couples do open a joint account, should we be meeting with, a, like, a financial advisor to say, like, mm. You know, this is how much you guys might need for a house. So contribute this much mm-hmm. each month. Or can we do it on our own? I need to like take to Google and figure this stuff out, honestly. No, I think it's actually it's a very good question. I think the smaller things like when if we're going on a road trip in a couple of months or we are mm-hmm. saving up, you know, we're doing a date fund. I think those things are really they're, they're great to talk out between the two of you um, and sort of right. work it out from there. I would say yes. I would say yes to a financial advisor as soon as you can access it, basically. And one thing I know that, I mean, for myself and lots of other like first, second gen kids were like, financial advisor, that's fancy people shit. Like, <laughs> I, what? like yeah. my, my mom's mom's that's mom's mom yeah, has one yeah. of those. Like, what? And so, I mean, that's when you really know you're an adult, when you're mm-hmm. like seeking a financial advisor, when you're like, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know, that's true adulting. It is, but it's also, it's more accessible than people think. There's this one website that I love, this, this one resource I love to talk about called advisorsgiveback.org. And it started actually in the very beginning of the pandemic where a bunch of licensed and professional financial advisors got together and they were like, you know what? Financial advising does seem really inaccessible. And some people, and Mm -hmm. especially in these very, very difficult financial times, people need us more than ever, but they're intimidated and less and less resource to access us. And so these are financial advisors who uh, they donate their time or you can pay them on a scale. You can try them out for a couple of sessions then donate after that. Like you can kind of dip your toe into it together. And I think it's an incredible thing to do, especially when you start to save for the big things that then require, you know, maybe we're going to start talking to loan officers. We're going to start looking at, you know, I have so many friends going through the we're going to buy a house together 
phase mm-hmm. and it's like there is it is like a it is like surgical the kind of thing no, that like we need a whole you know? episode on that oh i don't even God. i i vaguely know what a down payment is and other yeah. than that i don't know what else goes into like a house like oh my mortgage gosh. i don't really know what mortgage even is it's kind of sad no. i like that's it's a whole it's a whole language it really is yes, exactly. are we doing a money please episode on that because if oh, not 100 I'm going to have no, to talk to Jorge and have us add one. Because we're definitely doing full. it. And I'm bringing on like seven experts for that because there's so much about it yeah. that I don't understand. And I, I, that's what we do on Money Please. I'm like, explain it to me like I'm five so that no one else has yeah. to feel dumb about asking these questions. But I think I would say bring in a financial advisor. Basically, once the language stops making sense to you, absolutely bring in a financial advisor because it's almost like right. – and you know, there, there are now things like financial therapists. And like, the, for me, the ideal financial advisor would almost also be sort of a financial therapist at the same time, because of course, the personal things will start to come out when you start to talk about money together. And so I'm, right. I'm very pro financial therapist and advisor. What? Okay, what is a financial therapist? That's oh, a thing. Girl. Oh my God, absolutely. So financial therapy is an incredible thing. It's a little new. And actually we talked about financial therapy in our second episode of Money, Please. um, (gasps) And we talked to a therapist who was like, who does financial things? Financial therapy is very much a thing. And basically it's, it's like therapy, but specifically they help you or a couple or your family untangle the financial trauma in your life. Because so many of us learned about money not because school gave us this beautiful curriculum, but because some like no. effed up stuff happened connected to money with our parents, with our caregivers, within our relationships. And so we need to be able to ideally, I mean, this is not an incredibly accessible resource for everybody just yet, but it's the kind of thing where you can sort of comb through your financial traumas and try to get a better, more healthy relationship with your money so that you don't repeat the same financial mistakes that maybe your parents taught you or that you've been suffering through your whole life. And, you know, you basically create a healthier relationship with your money so that, for example, ideally when you're in a partnership or in a marriage, you can come kind of more financially healed and you're not projecting your financial trauma-ish onto your partner and being like, you just want to take all my money. I'm like, I'm going to hoard it from you because I don't trust you. It's like, oh, that's trauma. We got to figure that out. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's, I mean, that, that, that's legit when you explain it like that. I mean, I guess I, there are a lot of people out there with financial trauma and stuff that need yes. that, those kind of resources to break those habits. That's amazing. Yes, absolutely. And then it's, if it's two people in a partnership, just like a childhood trauma, relationship trauma, all those traumas start to try to make out with each other and it gets very messy. Yes. Yeah. And so that's to bring in the advisor, bring in the therapist. Yes. And I also like how you said, like, you in your previous relationship had a healthy, what was it, um, healthy relationship together about finance. That's, I think that is so important because, like, I mean, that's how a lot of marriages and relationships end up ending is fighting over money problems, money issues. I mean, money is one of the biggest causes of divorce. So if you can set that foundation early on, break whatever whatever bad habits – around Mm -hmm. money and like have a healthy relationship with money together, I think you're good to go. That being said, we always get questions like, you know, when I get married, do I have to, if my partner is in all this debt, does that debt then become my debt? Mm. Oh, that's a very good question. I would say, so while basically, and someone's going to maybe need to Google check me on this, from my understanding, the debt doesn't officially become your debt just because you're married. And I believe that's the, I mean, that's the case, at least in the US. Um, Your debt is still under your name as an adult. There are certain kinds of debt that 
if you pass, it could get passed on to your spouse. And that's so funny because I was just, I'm finishing up a book about money for young folks. It's just explaining all the mm-hmm. things that no one ever taught us about uh, money. Oh, and there's a little box that. in there of just like, so what if I just like don't pay off any of our debt? <laughs> there are some <laughs> debts that will get rolled over onto your partner or onto your next of kin or your family or to like your general estate if you've set up the sort of like afterlife estate things. Um, And it it really depends. We couldn't say specifically what kind of debt goes where because it really depends on the company and the type of debt and uh, the situation. Um, But yes, it, it can become your partner's issue if somebody passes. And so I think, but when people are talking about bringing debt into a relationship, that's definitely more of a personal conversation between between the two of you. I mean, I think about immediately, I think about the GOAT, Ali Wong, favorite stand-up comedian, mm, and how hilarious. she talks about how, yeah, so she's like, I tried to trap my Harvard husband, he trapped me, and then I paid his student loans. And the audience like, yes, the audience cheers. I mean, she has this whole set about how she was like, I don't want to work anymore because uh, I'm tired, duh. And so she was like, part of why I married my Harvard Business School husband is so he can take care of me. Turns out I'm the one who got famous. I'm the one that started earning all the money. And when they got married. Yeah. And I think before they got married, that's when she found out that he has all this debt. And she was like, oh my God, what the hell? And she ended up paying off the debt for him. And it's obviously a very personal, uh, that's a very personal thing to decide. I mean, if you want to build this life together and you want to start from scratch, that's a conversation to have with each other. Just like, is is this really till death do us part? Is this till financial trauma do us part? Because then we could (laughs) could do a clean slate together. But then again, that's where I'd be like, ooh, we better be in touch with some mental health resources. We better be in touch with our financial traumas because you don't want there to be resentment. You don't want there to be expectation. Right. You don't want there to be retaliation. It's got to be healthy. Right. And if one of you is in a lot of debt, what steps? I feel like this could be a whole nother episode. And correct mm-hmm. me if wrong, but I feel like I've heard you say on one of your episodes or videos that you mm-hmm. were in debt and got yourself out. And that's kind of yes. how you learned. Okay. Yes. So tips for just like, uh, if one of you in the relationship is, what are some tips for just like, starter tips for getting out of that debt and or how can like the other person in the relationship maybe help that other person Mm -hmm. like support them in getting out uh that's a beautiful question so when i was uh first dating my former boo we both i was like so i got thirty eight thousand dollars student loans and i have twelve thousand dollars of credit card debt Mm -hmm. do you still fix with me and he was like oh yeah (laughs) i have eighteen thousand dollars of student loans and i work for the ymca so like i don't know how this is gonna get anywhere and i was like sick (laughs) What if we paid this off together and like we encouraged oh, each other? That. So it was really lovely to have, yeah, for the first time, it was nice to have debt for a second yeah. because then <laughs> bond we could bond over debt. We could bond over it and we both were very nerdy about like, oh, I found this debt payoff calculator. Because by the way, like a savings calculator, there are debt payoff calculators where you can put in your debt, you can put in when you ideally want to be debt free, and then it'll be like, mm-hmm. hey, you actually got to pay this much extra every month to get there. And so we're like, oh, let's sit and drink wine and mess around with a debt payoff calculator. And then, oh, <laughs> my gosh, we like, okay, so that's how much it would, it would look like for you. It's how much it would look like for me. We had a lot of fun also creating like debt payoff posters together where basically it's like it's like the idea of the fundraising um, 
thermometer yes. where every time yes, you yes. like deposit money, you like fill it in. We had in our apartment debt payoff posters on the walls. And whenever one of us would pay off, make a payment and be like, oh my God, it's time. Grab a marker. We're children. I, and like <laughs> color it. And so it was super I fun. I love that though. That's first yes. of all, so impressive. So kudos to both of you guys Thank that you, you like even, you know, did that together. And yeah. second of all, that I love that. That's like, that would make your relationship, I could imagine, like a stronger yeah. bond, both like in- more like intimate bond. Like I would like yes. celebrate, you know, by getting intimate, celebrate the payoffs. I don't, it's I just love sexy. that. sexy. What? It's like <laughs> it hot is to be seeing this. It really like, is. Yeah, you have the progress together. You're you're making the progress together. Like, how should we celebrate? Take our pants off. Great, whatever. Like, we have a reason to celebrate because you just did right. a big chunk in your debt payoff poster. Um, and so I would say then the sort of advice if maybe one person has debt and the other person doesn't, make it like a project that the two of you face together. My former boo, mm-hmm. former boo used to always say, and I love this, it's me and you against the problem. It's us against the problem. It's not your problem that. or my problem and we're fighting each other. It's how can the two of us look at this problem together and figure it out. Maybe one person has the debt and they're sort of like mentally saddled with that. The other person might be more mentally resourced to be like, well, let's pull up a debt calculator and figure this stuff out. You know, like mm-hmm. let's build out the goal for you. Or maybe you're just a cheerleader and you're like, I'm gonna give you, help give you resources to build out your debt payoff plan. And then I'm gonna like, cuckoo, like hype woman you or you know, whenever you pay mm-hmm. off a thing, my responsibility will be to like help figure out how we're celebrating, you know, like let's think about what we're going to do together at the end. Once we get to the end, let's plan this like vacation that we want to do together or this moment. Like I've, I'm a hype woman. So that's where all my advice is going to go. Like how can you hype up your right. partner? And and then maybe you want to contribute financially too. And that's wonderful. And that's, a, you know, a conversation that you'll have between the two of you. Is it our debt payoff journey or is it your debt payoff journey? And I'm just here to hype you up and like, you know, celebrate your milestones along the way that you can totally customize. Right. Right. And I feel like it becomes more of ours together when you do get married because, mm-hmm. you know, the classic saying what's mine is ours. But mm-hmm. that is refreshing to know like it can still be you can support in other ways that aren't just financially contributing if yes. like you can support your partner in those ways. Yes. Um, yay. Well, okay. Kind of last big question about like finances as a couple. Are there big mistakes that you see any couples make together? Like financial mistakes? Or is there anything mm-hmm. we should be avoiding doing with our money? I would say the number one mistake you should avoid doing with your money in a couple is to not talk about it. I would absolutely. Yeah. I mean, okay. Take it with a grain of salt, again, financially obsessed. And so in the future, mm-hmm. when I go back to dating, it will definitely be like question, it'll be question one, point one, mm-hmm. like at least on date, at least on day two, probably date one, to be honest, because now I got this internet stuff going on and they'll probably know about this. But I would say open up the money conversation as soon as possible. And it, again, it doesn't need to be, so what are your financial scars? And how much debt do you have exactly? And how much money? Like, it doesn't have right. to be the very intense questions. You could just start from a place of, well, what do we want to do together? What if we had a date fund? Let's start there. What if we both joint saved up for that expensive ass wedding that we have to go to in May? Let's start there. You know, like, start as soon as possible because, again, Money is incredibly personal, and yet, hello, capitalism, we all have to deal with money every single day of our lives, no matter Mm -hmm. what. And when you're building a life together, then the idea is that you are dealing with all those things together as a unit, as a team, and money will be present every second of your life, no matter what you do. And so to ignore it 
is is really ignoring a huge part of your life as a human under capitalism, as a person who works, as a person who is just functioning. So break that break that barrier, kind of like open up the taboo as soon as possible. Early. Yeah, early. Yeah. And also with that, again, taking advice from my former boo, it is us against the problem. It's you two against the mm-hmm. issue of your financial traumas or your or your debt. And it, it can be difficult to separate the personal from the facts. But also the fact is a lot of our financial situations, not our fault, right? Like mm-hmm. a lot of what we were born into or not born into, not our fault. And so Right. I would say while you're tackling that first thing of like, let's start talking about money, try to have as much, I call it financial empathy as possible to understand that we all grew up in very different financial situations. Sometimes talking about money makes people really, really weird. Like it gets to a right. weird place. And so yeah, uh, go gentle, go gently and understand that it's, you know, it's you two. Ideally, it's you two against the problem and uh, not the other way around. Yeah. I love that. And I think a lot of times we see that like, you know, people start having the big tough conversations about each other when they're planning for the marriage. Like I know I'm Catholic, so I had to go through all the pre-Cana stuff and they were Mm -hmm. asking like really helpful questions throughout all of that, even though it was very long, daunting, annoying process. But they make you jump through hoops to like get married in the Catholic church. But Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um I don't know, like they were asking, like, you know, do you both want to have children? Do you both? And I remember like looking at Mike and thinking, thank God we've already talked about this, because what if we're sitting here engaged and we're finding out these big things that affect our lives right before the wedding? So I think finances go into that. Like you said, like have that conversation early and take the problem on together. Exactly. This has just been so helpful. Do we have time for a quick little game that we like to call splurge or save? I figured this one would be perfect for you because, you know, it's kind of related to money. Money. Absolutely. So basically, these are just random things. Three random things that I'm going to tell us. And we have to decide if we want to splurge on it for the wedding or if Mm. you think we should save and why. Okay. And here's the thing. Caveat to this game. We're, you can still do these things. We're just saying, should you like splurge extra or uh, cut back and find like little things? I'm not saying like you don't have to do these things. Like save doesn't mean you're not doing it. You're just not going all back. out with it. Yeah, yes. scaling back. Exactly. Got it. So the first one, the just pre-wedding beauty overall. So like the facials, mm. the Botox, the the nails, the tan, the everything do we think we should be splurging or saving on that? Oh, And this boy. is with like no dollar amount in mind. Like we don't know how much this is all costing. But obviously if you're splurging, it's more. Yes. Okay. I, I feel like I need to preamble all of this. I am an incredibly <laughs> low maintenance human being. And like if I ever become a bride one day, my mom will be very frustrated with me because she does not want me to be <laughs> a low maintenance human being. She wants to – she would say splurge on all the categories. And I'm definitely okay. more of like – I want it to be more about the the feeling, the excitement. The I've always said, yes. yes. Well, the party. Like the, what I've always said right. is like when if I if I get married, if I have a wedding, I want it to be all about us having a good ass time. Like me and my partner having a good yes. ass time. I will splurge on the things that make sure we have a good ass time. I will probably save on the things that are are more about maintenance because I am very I'm a toddler, and so I would mm-hmm. choose to save on that. 
And honestly, I'm a little I'm a little more hard on myself when it comes to things like like how, what do I do to look good? I'm like, well, you should have been sleeping more, and maybe you should be drinking more water. <laughs> and you know, like I I will definitely yes, save on those things. The natural things, yeah. The natural things, which like, please come on, they don't always work, but I, I'm hard on myself <laughs> anyway. And so I would definitely go for save on that one because I'm thinking about tequila and I want to splurge. Yes, on that's why. So I love that because that that's true. You you've conquered the whole podcast. Like that's like literally the the crux of what we try to get to in every situation on this podcast. It's like, remember the why, remember the love, remember, because there is so much around the wedding industry, including all these pre-wedding beauty things that like just gets in the way and sort of clouds the true meaning of the wedding. Totally. So I love that you literally just got right to the core. And that means you you really are, I have the chills, you really are going to one day with whoever it may be, you're going to have the best wedding ever because it's going to be so much fun. Thank you. I agree, like, but here's the thing. I'm a little more high maintenance, unfortunately. Embrace, (laughs) embrace. But I do think if you are going to spend money on this stuff leading up to the wedding, well, first of all, I kind of do, like, I I used to break out really bad. The whole podcast knows this. The only thing that's really cured, like, my acne is getting a facial once a month. So I've built that into my everyday Ooh. life budget like Ooh, I sexy I love that yes so I have that on my little budget sheet that I try mm. to use re- more than this is a sex you know all of this is I, very nice yes yes okay. so I put in facial I include that in like Nicole's yes. beauty budget yes. um so I say if you are going to spend on that stuff or splurge on that stuff leading up to the wedding include that the the beauty budget if you're gonna spend That should be part of the overall wedding budget because I think a lot of times people don't include that and that gets thrown by the wayside and then it's an unexpected cost when you're paying for all the wedding stuff. Yeah. And then, yeah. So include that for sure. Yes, I totally agree. I have um, a friend of mine, my friend Molly, a few years ago, she was planning her wedding. She's a very no-nonsense person. And I was like, Molly, what's it been like planning your wedding? And she was like, okay, I know you're not, you're not, maybe you're not trying to get married anytime soon and you're not, you're not planning a wedding burnout. But she's like, I have one piece of advice for you. It's that you and your partner should sit down, have some wine and make a short list of like your absolute needs, like your own no-no yes. list. Like this, you can't, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't matter if like the sky is falling and we lose all the money, whatever. We would protect these things about our wedding no matter what. And it's no judgment. Mm-hmm. And the both of you talk about it together. And then that sort of, you sort of build like a, a moat and a protective castle around that. Because again, once the wedding planning starts, then everybody in the club has opinions and the industry all wants your yes. money. And so you need to know, like, what are the things that I will protect no matter what? And if beauty is one of them, fucking awesome. Figure that out in the beginning so that you know mm-hmm. that you don't compromise on that thing that you really, really want for a thing that you kind of maybe don't really want, but kind of feels like you're supposed to. You know what I mean? Like, if beauty is at the 1, core of your budget, own that. Say it with your chest. Protect it and understand <laughs> why. And then it's, it's going to be a lot easier for you to say no to the things that you don't really care about. One thousand percent. That priority list is key. And especially making it together because then it's the wedding that you both want, not just you. Like Mike could care less about my pre-wedding beauty. He's like, you look beautiful regardless. And I'm like, no, need my Botox. (laughs) Beautiful. Um, Then do. And that's you're a couple. He needs to accept that. That's great. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. The next one, an engagement photo shoot. Ooh, I love, okay, (laughs) personally, I love an engagement photo shoot. I love to see people's engagement photo shoots. I love when people get really creative about it. And so if it was myself, I think I would splurge on an engagement photo shoot because I love 
the memories. Like my love language is very much right. quality time, very much. And so I've been known to like, I'm out on a, like a trip, a weekend trip with my girlfriends and I surprise them with a photographer because I want to capture the memories and I want to be able yes. to look at this and go back and be like, oh, how beautiful. Like that day was amazing. And uh, this concept mm-hmm. was so funny. We put it together and like that to me, the engagement photo shoots are about the memories. That's what you're physically, tangibly going to look back on like mm-hmm. many, many years from now when you start to forget what the hell is going on in your life. You're going to look back on that and it's really important to me. And so I would say splurge on the engagement photo shoot. Not necessarily for me, not necessarily for the reason that like it needs to be nice because other people are going to look at it, but because like that is a fun moment for myself and I want to be able to look at it. And knowing myself, I'd probably come up with some really weird, stupid shit for my engagement photo shoot. No, I I want to be able to do that. Yeah. That makes it, I just posted on uh, yesterday a couple that they, uh, the beginning of their relationship, they spent a lot of time like cooking these elaborate meals and would always Mm. go to this grocery store in like Ber- somewhere in California mm-hmm. and they they did their photo shoot the professional engagement photo shoot dressed up in like wedding outfits in the grocery store and it was like quirky oh. and fun but like true to them because yes. I, I don't know it's something cool to show to the kids one day if you're having kids exactly. um I do agree with you though like I, I I've seen couples that don't do an engagement photo shoot at all and then they have nothing to use on the save the dates they have nothing to use sure. for you know, different things. So I think it pays off. Like, I think you should definitely do one. You can work with a reasonably priced photographer. Yeah. Um, also, a lot of photographers, I learned this through wedding planning, ask your photographer who you want to book for the wedding if they'll throw in an engagement photo shoot because a lot of them like to do that. They'll um, they'll do a photo shoot with you before the wedding and that way it's a good way to like establish rapport with them, get to yes. know them, get to know like you with them in front of the camera, that kind yes. of thing. Um, oh, and I don't know, you can kind of like try to negotiate that into some photographer contracts, I feel like. Or that some just automatically sense. include it. Yeah. Sure. So. That makes total sense. It's a good way to sort of like test out if you write because the, the mm-hmm. day of the, it's a very big day. It's a very hectic day. You want to trust your photographer for sure. You exactly. can very much test that stuff out. I've also really loved seeing some of my friends. I have a lot of very frugal friends and I've mm-hmm. loved seeing people sort of barter and like work swap. Um, like we'll have a yes. photographer friend and we'll be like, can you do my engagement photo shoot? And I will help you with her finances or I will Ooh. set up your Wi-Fi, whatever it is. Like you can swap with that kind of thing. And I've also, I've seen in that kind of situation, things can get very, very creative too with like what mm-hmm. what you end up using as payment or what you end up setting up because it doesn't feel as like formal as like a, I must be pretty and you must smile kind of thing. So you can get really creative mm-hmm. with it. I think to me, it's all about it's all about experiencing that in the moment and having that moment for yourself to look back on. Because even the photo shoot itself totally. will probably be an adventure. And that's something that you and your partner can yeah. look back on and tell stories about. That's the thing. The photo shoot itself is so much fun. I, I agree. Yes. It's more of an experience, which I always say splurge on experiences. Yeah, exactly. Okay. The last one, alcohol at the wedding. And when oh, I God. came up with this one, I like we all know you got to have alcohol. I'm like yeah. not even letting us discuss if you need that or not. I think you, you need alcohol <laughs> at the wedding. But mm-hmm. the type of alcohol, do we think you need to splurge or save and get, you know, nice Nice alcohol, nice drinks, a lot of different variety, or can you save on that? Oh, boy. Wow, that's a very good question. Of course, I was like, I thought the question was like, do we have it? I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and, you know, that's not yeah. everybody's jam, but it's very much my jam. It's very much my family, yeah. my friend's jam, and hopefully my partner's yeah. jam too in the future. Um, I would <laughs> say, my goodness, I, I'm of split mind because 
my friends, at least my friends and my family, we aren't super fancy in that regard. And we will have fun drinking on the way to the post office, like bottom shelf, Mm -hmm. like whatever. It's more about like the people and the experience. That said, my priority, I would say, like if I could have my dream wedding, my dream celebration, my priority would be to have my make my guests have like a good ass time. That was a wild ass party. Like the Mm -hmm. celebration of love was just like absolutely peak. And so I think I would splurge on this. And I think I would try to make it so that there's a breadth of, like I wouldn't be like, I'm gonna splurge so that everybody who wants 17 tequila shots gets high shelf tequila. Mm, Maybe not. Mm -mm. I wonder if there's some sort of like, open bar cash bar hybrid that I could do where it's like it's open bar for certain amounts of liquids because I know you guys are messy please I say you drink in high school yes. and college you don't need the top shelf <laughs> I know for a fact no. but if you wanted to do the top shelf it is available to us maybe at a discounted price oh I love I that do, you know I have hybrid. some fancy aunts and uncles who like I don't want them talking shit to my mom so yeah okay have yeah. the have the top shelf whatever the heck you need um but also I want to I want to honor my inner ratchet college ratchet and the Mm -hmm. inner ratchet of all my friends and be like stop it kirkland vodka for you takes you to the same place don't lie to me don't exactly exactly i fully agree with that i also love the idea of just like getting creative and talking to them about like a hybrid thing like even you know you might encounter some venues that are like yeah we'll let you bring in a couple bottles of nice vodka or whatever nice liquor and and then you can also just do the standard bar package or whatever Um, I love that. But I also agree. I was going to say save because truly like we, our venue at least had different tiers. It was like the premier bar package and then Mm. the normal one. And we were like, let's go with the normal one. I I doubt any of our guests are going to be sitting there like, but what kind of tequila is it? Like before they start. (laughs) Right. So we were like, let's just go with the normal one. I also saw TikTok is becoming a great resource. I saw somebody post the other day that apparently i don't all the venues are going to be like hate me for saying this but apparently signature drinks at a lot of venues they make you pay like two dollars extra per person to just have a signature drink and your signature drink could be anything but from like you know a martini a margarita whatever but if you want to like kind of backdoor save on that Mm -hmm. you can you can just you can still just put up signs saying like signature drink is you know a dirty martini but you don't actually have to like do it with the venue because they have all of the ingredients on hand to actually make that drink at the bar. So you oh. can still put up signs being like signature cocktail and people can just go up to the bar and say, Ask can I it. have a dirty martini? Yeah. Oh my I don't know. Gosh. The venue, again, venues are going to be like, what the fuck, Nicole? Stop telling people this. But I mean, what I, don't, you're, I mean, you're decentralizing the information. You know what I mean? Like you're making it open to the people. Yes. Because sometimes, I mean, I don't need it. You, I'm preaching to the priest. But like venues can mm-hmm. be sneaky as hell and they can be like they cut can. all the corners and all this stuff. And yep. I mean, fair, it's a it's an expensive industry. It's a legit industry. But like, that's one of those, like, and now I'm just thinking, I'm like, hold up. So th- the package of the signature drink, like, well, they're basically charging you to be able to tell people that there's a signature drink. Right. When you can exactly. just tell them yourself with a sign, like, that's the difference exactly. we're talking about here. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Come on. I remember with act. mine, mine tried to, because we added one on, we added on a dirty martini as one. And then mine, I think in the beginning, they tried to tell me like, a dollar per head, which is like if, you know, if that's your thing, if that's how much it costs, whatever. But I think later right. on when I brought it back up again, I was like, 
can we please just add this on like no cost? It's a martini. I doubt people, like a lot of people probably won't even order it. And I think they let me just add it on for free. So what I'm saying is Perfect. the more annoying you are of a client, yes. the more they will Beautiful. let you, uh, you know, slide slide past those things, those rules Dude. they have. They, I mean, that's, again, it's, yes. it's sort of like a, it's an emotional negotiation at that point of just like, yep. how much can I sweeten the pot? For me, I'm like super intense people pleaser. I'm like, how much can I get you to like me? So you'll put in free things yeah. for me. And if you don't, yeah. I will still bring in my Kirkland tequila and tell people that the Paloma <laughs> is the special drink. I would whisper it, like put it in a note underneath everybody's like name tags yeah. and be like, the Paloma is a special drink. Or to the Paloma. Or to the Paloma. Paloma yeah, exactly. Kirkland's. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Kirkland Paloma is oh absolutely, that's a signature drink of my life, Kirkland Paloma. That really is. Drink. You know what? I'm going to make a Kirkland Paloma later today, and I'm going to think of you as I'm sipping it. <laughs> thank you. Cheers oh, to that. Well, thank you. Cheers to that. Thank you so, so, so much, Berna. I, like, I'm going to attack you on the side just for, like, you're going to be my new personal financial hype woman. Please. You guys, everybody go follow her. Tell them where they can all follow you, because you you drip out this knowledge on your channels all the time. So yes. if they want more, they need to go. Yes. Oh my. To to join me on the social media journey right now is very interesting because I'm I'm just escaping my book writing cave. I've been writing a book for the last year. Um, and I've oh, also yeah. been like, a pandemic, what a great time to get the hell off the internet. <laughs> but now I am back on. You can find me at Hey Berna, Hey B-E-R-N-A. I am most loud and most obnoxious on Instagram. I'm also encouraging folks to sign up for my newsletter because these platforms yes are playing games uh, but the newsletter is definitely <laughs> where you're going to be able to find me more permanently but instagram's got all my stuff and that's where all the announcements for money please and free advice and all the things will come down so find me there your videos that you do dancing first of all you're a very good dancer <laughs> oh, i feel you. like you're and I, no we need to get you out to new york to do a dancing video i literally yes. to jorge i was like where is she we need to do a dance video of the um the uh, financial wins when your audience does like submits a win and you create a dance for them. I yes. love it. It makes yes. it so much fun. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, your your videos are hilarious. Thank it's you. so it's truly makes it like fun learning about how to budget and how to save and just personal finance in general. So yeah, go follow. And when your book comes out, I will be the first in line to yes. get a copy and yes. be reading it. So. I'm going to be yelling about the pre-order link, or at least the, the <laughs> list where we'll be giving you the pre-order link eventually, very soon. Traditional publishing, my God, very slow, but it's coming no. out eventually. And I will be also now, now that I'm a little more off of book deadlines, I'm going to be going back to those financial hype dances. So stay tuned. Get me on there. Yes. Woo. Well, thank you so much. And till death do us part. The Betches Brides podcast is produced by Nicole Pellegrino, Sean Kilby, and Jorge Morales-Pico. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow us at Betches Brides and send us your emails to brides at betches.com. Betches.